Hello and welcome to The Undaunted Creative, a podcast that takes a closer look into the story behind success in the creative fields. Today's guest, Kevin Kellum, is an on-air radio host, content producer, writer, podcast host, and stand-up comedian. Additionally, during his career, this well-rounded creative has been heavily involved in digital marketing, web series creation, social media production, radio promotions, and sketch comedy. He has also been the MC for some of the largest events in music history, including Lollapalooza, where he kept the audience engaged through timely announcements, interviews with artists, and comedic wit. We will discuss his creative pursuits, his ups and downs in the industry, and how he stayed focused through it all. I'm honored to welcome Kevin Kellum. Wow, Tom, you wrote a better resume for me than I can write for myself. <laughs> well, thank you so much. You know, I want to start off by rolling back the clock to the beginning stages of your creativity. You mm-hmm. grew up on the south side of Chicago in a predominantly blue-collar area. And the reason I bring that up is that in some cases, some will grow up in a neighborhood where an influx of certain careers is prevalent. One might think, yeah. I'll just do that because maybe it's familiar or because I have family in that sector. Early on, when you realized that creativity was there, how supportive was your family when you told them radio was a career of interest? I could say creatively, I lived in a house of five kids, and like my father played Irish music. My father, I, my my connection to radio, which was the, the first thing I really wanted to do, um, was my dad playing in the house. And like, this is good radio. This is bad radio. This is why you like this. And uh, my connections to comedy are through the radio too, as well, like Dr. Demento and Kevin Matthews and like Steve Dahl stuff. And like, I had brothers and sisters that listened to that. Like they weren't just like, it was just on in the back and they were fans of it. Like, this is good. We like this. So you get that trickle down. Just like, you know, you listen to your brother's favorite band, kind of becomes the band, the first band you really get into the same idea. Uh, and then in that regard, like I had, you know, we were, if I, if I can make people laugh, I can make them like me. Like, so like, and a house of five kids, if I could get everyone to laugh, then I was, like, on board. But I was, like, a problematic kid. I had learning disabilities. I had ADD before we had, like, a real idea of how to treat that and, like, all these different things. And I, and I would just get into trouble and all that different stuff. But I wasn't, like, a mean kid. But it was definitely a kid you couldn't – you had to reel in all the time. So the only way I could reel people in to me and not aggravate them is if I could maybe make them laugh or do something creative and draw and all those different things. So my parents were definitely, like, supportive of it because they knew – um, that I remember telling my mom that I wanted to do radio professionally, like when I was maybe 10 or 11. And at that point I had already done like bits on the Richard Roper show locally. And I called in as like a little kid and they thought it was funny that this little kid was doing like Phil Hartman impressions, wow. like whatever Phil Hartman was doing on SNL. I was trying to do, I remember I did it on my birthday after I did it one time. And, um, I, I called in, it was, it was Frank Sinatra's. I think Frank Sinatra had just died or he was. It was like his oh, like 90th birthday or something like that. And all I did was mimic things I saw Phil Hartman do on SNL. And I just did it for him on the phone. But I was a little kid doing it. You knew it was like a little kid doing it. And that's just obscure and weird. Um, and I remember like that was really cool. I made them laugh and I got so much attention. It made me feel so good. Um, and then I'm, then I'm pursuing that and then I'm being told at the dinner table, turn it off. You know, like, like Kevin, you're, you're, you're throwing a lot of bad jokes at the wall. <laughs> Nothing's sticking. You're just bothering everybody. So I guess it was kind of an attention hound. But then I learned if I'm going to have your attention, I want to do something with it. I don't want to waste your time. You know, I want a, a genuine connection. And then 
from there that I knew like I wasn't going to play college sports. I think I knew like my junior year, I could, I rolled my ankle three times playing soccer. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do that. And um, St. David university had a college radio station right next to the boys Catholic high school that my mom and dad slaved to send me to. <laughs> uh, and right next to that was mother Macaulay, which had a huge liberal arts program. So my senior year I was in theater and I got to start doing college radio in high school. So that was a big deal for me. I have an alarm probably telling me to do something. See, this is me managing myself <laughs> an hour ago. Um, but no, it was like I, I, I had a supportive family, but I think I, I don't want to say they tolerated. They definitely supported it. But it was just like they've seen me go through so much with it before I even got to really do it. So like when I even got to do like the little victories meant a lot, like little things in a radio career that some people or a media career people step away from like, oh, that's not that big of a deal. Like to me, it was because it was so hard for me to get like a C or a B like a math test or something. So I guess maybe uh, when, when you, when you're a, a bad student and then you're a good student in the game, in the, the class of life, it's a little bit more um, rewarding in that, in that regard. It's like the first few radio gigs were like a really, really big deal. For me. And my, and hopefully to my family, at least they appreciate it. Well, you, you talked about WXAV, 88.3 FM, St. Xavier's radio station. Go Cougars. Yes. Go Cougs. Literally in your backyard. So, yeah, this station, Spoiled. you know, and, yeah, and they're playing music that wasn't being heard on commercial radio stations. And you begin this radio career even before you enter college. How did you go about contacting them to get involved? Oh well, um, this this is a this is a weird one because I listened a lot, and it was tangible. It was like the internet now kind of changes this in the sense of you listen to creators and people like that, and you can reach out to them. And wow, my my favorite band tweeted me or something like that. That'll happen. You can have that now. It wasn't like like 2001, 2002. It just wasn't there. Social media just wasn't there. But you call into a radio station, the first social media now. That's the thing that you know radio people sell. And it's true. And you could call into it and, and get bits on or get songs played. And it was like crazy. And at that time, um, the I think Rock 103.5 was gone. That's why I liked it. I liked, I liked Q101. Um, and I liked the college stations. I was listening to college stations on the internet. because I was just eating it up. I was a bad student. I was grounded all the time because I had bad grades, but I could stay at home. And I could listen to the radio. I can watch TV. So I got more into radio stuff and I figured out, Oh, you can listen to it on the internet. Wow. What an idea. And you can listen to all these stations you can't get. Um, and then part of it was looking for stations that were playing stuff. You couldn't hear anywhere else. Cause I was into like heavier music or alternative music. I liked some popular stuff, but it just wasn't scratching the itch. And Zavs was doing that. And they had a metal show. Uh, and I liked metal music and I got to hear music. I really liked that. I read about in magazines. Now it's on the radio. That's really, really cool. And then they're letting me do bits. And then it's like, we have a summer volunteer program and we know you're calling and nagging us all the time to do something on the radio. Cause I was definitely trying to get on, you know, and they figured it out. And that was 2000. That was the spring, the summer of 2001, the summer before my senior year of high school. And then I was on that radio station until I finished at Columbia. So the entire time I went to Columbia, taking classes with you at uh, Congress and Wabash. I was doing, I was also doing Zabs the whole time. So like I went to two different colleges for college radio at the same time. I wanted it that much. Uh, or as my mom said, chasing one microphone to the next. <laughs> well, you talked about the transfer to Columbia College, Chicago, and you begin getting closer to one of your early goals, being involved with a commercial radio station that you mm -hmm. listen to regularly, the late, great Q101. Yeah. Your first internships at Q101 with an on-air talent named Fook. Your first day interning with Fook was interesting, to say the <laughs> least, and I'm going to let you tell that story. I love uh, You remember this story? <laughs> 
Yes, absolutely. So, so for, 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 for complete context here, Tom Joyce, uh, there's, a, there's another story before the story. This is my junior year at Columbia, and you were running the internship program. My freshman year, because I had already been doing college radio in high school, I, I knew a little bit more, but I still had to take the classes was, and I had no problem with that. But I wanted to still skip the line somehow. I just wanted that extra, extra thing. I was so passionate about it. And I was passionate in the bad way. And I know that now. But I wanted from freshman year, I wanted to do an internship. No one does that. You shouldn't be doing it. It was so out of line for me to do it. And I remember I could have got some type of internship, I think, at CKG, WCKG, which had doll then and all these different things. And I remember you telling me, like, don't do it now. If you wait, I'll make it count for you. Like, if you wait, I'll make it count for you. I remember you telling me that. And then you told me like every semester and I would just talk about something. He's like, I know you about that internship thing from your freshman year. I'll make it count. And then you come to me with this opportunity and they're like, it's like this, this, it was the loop, the zone or Q101. And you're like, and you pick. And I, and I was like, I was like, all right, you paid off. I'm going with uh, Q101. And it was supposed to be nights. I remember he was on at night and then it flipped to afternoons. So when it flipped to afternoons, then it was like a tighter programming clock and all these different things we had to hit. And then you, um, as an intern, it, it was still, we were still screening phones and doing prep sheets and different things like that. So uh, I knew I wasn't going to be able to contribute many ideas, but I'd be able to find something that he would like. And he was an intense guy. He was a very, very intense guy. And in retrospect, I think he, even he would say that. I don't think I'm speaking on a turn. But now flip him from nights to afternoons, and there's a much more competitive space for ratings. There's a much more, like all these different things. Uh, and he had to find ways to make all the features he was doing at night work in the day. And there was, that was a challenge. I mean, we did a, did a bit uh, called um, Springer Stories, where you'd have to do all these different, you'd have to find people that had a Springer story about these different things. So it was like really, really intense. I knew that was all coming up the first day. I had broken my ankle, um, I want to say a month beforehand. And I was trying to avoid having surgery because I knew I was going to have an internship and like, this is going to be weird. So um, I opted just to go with rehab stuff. And I had this big boot cast on it. It kind of slowed me down, but I had it. And I could move around it, but I couldn't put a ton of weight on it. Uh, and it wasn't like a crutch thing, but it was kind of like slowing me down and stuff like that. Once again, I'm keeping myself very busy here. So um, I go there and I'm supposed to pay his car like take money from him to go pay his car. You do all the runaround things from get him coffee, get him water and go pay his car, which is parked legally on the street, like three blocks away. But I have this big boot cast on and I have to go inside the merchandise mart. And it's on like the second floor and you have to go through the, all these escalators and it's downtown city streets. But I got this clunk, 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 like, <laughs> and you could hear me coming down the hall. So he knew I was coming down the hall or something like that. And I was coming down the hall and I, pay, I thought I paid it on time. Um, but I was coming down the hall and I remember hearing the boot go kunk, kunk, kunk. I could hear the boot in my head and I had in my hand a ticket. He had a ticket on his car because I had to go pay his, his, it was like a four, four or five hour radio show, right? I had to go pay his car like twice or something like that. You only get like two hours and you had to go pay it again. And I remember I came back. I remember walking by the Telemundo was somehow filming right there. And I was so mad. I was like screaming, swearing with this big boot cast on my leg, walking by a Telemundo guy <laughs> filming some TV report. And, um, and I had to go kunk, kunk into the building. And I remember walking in. I could walk in. I remember it was, he was on my left, and I had to come in. I would be behind him. So there's no way I could walk in, and he wouldn't see, like, that bright orange envelope. That's why they make him bright and orange so you see him. He can't hide them, right? I've seen many. And I, and I saw it, and there was just this, like, switch that, like, you just see someone turn. And then he goes, 
he doesn't say anything. He just tells me where to sit in the room. And I remember like we had some dick coming off. And this maybe like my first or second day. I think it was your first day. First day. Yeah, first it was day. the first day because I heard from him afterwards about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What did you hear? Well, we you know, he, ca- he called this me up. like 17 years ago. Yeah, he called me up and he was like, look, kid's got a lot of talent, but here's what happened. So then part two comes up, right? Part two comes up and he, in like 15 minutes pass by, he's not saying anything and he's taping stuff and he doesn't ask me to do anything. And I just go, and he goes, stop. Why don't you go home for the day? And it was like before five, which is like the intense time when we had a bunch of things coming up. So he's like, just go home. I'll call you. Just go. And it was very abrupt. And I knew I was scratched. I thought my internship was done. I remember I was going to call. I think, I don't know if I called you the next day or I, or I talked to you. Um, but I remember being so worried, so concerned. And this was like early days of texting too. Sure. So I got a text from him and he goes, I think it was something like, dad, that was really bad. What you did, blah, blah, blah. Um, but we, we're, we're going to figure out how to turn this into a bit. So now this goes from like my anxiety. I, I have an anxiety disorder. I definitely had it then. Uh, but it went through the roof. Because now it's just, now is it not just bad? I now have to make this entertaining somehow. Like, so, like, I was like, and this is pretty, like, being able to turn all these different things into jokes and humor. And I just wanted to be cool, right? So it was like, there was, my name on the air was Hey Buddy. He had names for all the interns. So it was going to be like the trial of Hey Buddy. And there was another um, Columbia kid who was interning for him who kind of like kiboshed, or maybe you kiboshed it. But somebody kiboshed it. Was like, no way, you cannot put an intern on trial for like <laughs> not paying your car. I remember being so concerned about it, and I don't know what I did after that. But something happened after that. Like I came in thinking we were going to do a bit, and I was so concerned that it was going to be like a real thing. And I don't know what happened. Or I came in with some preppers. He's like, oh, okay, cool. And then he just told me to sit down. Like it was nothing. Like and we had text messages and phone calls about it, and then it was just nothing. Like it was. It was, it was great radio. It There's was no great. doubt it was, about it. Was it. So, oh, uh, the the train ride there was was like a never ending roller coaster in your head, uh, and but every day you go in and he was like a really really intense guy. But then I would just learn so much from being around him and how to like make something abrupt or how something that's dark can be genuinely funny. Like you can step away from it. Uh, and I always kind of saw that, but I never saw someone mechanically put that together. And there's so much of those things that make me a better comedian that I didn't really notice until like ten or fifteen years later. Um, and then the idea of like how to hit your post and all these different concise things I was doing, but I wasn't doing well. You know, it was like if you have a like I, I had college radio talent reps and stuff like that, but I wasn't doing it well. Like I wasn't getting in and out of everything. So now the technique of everything I did, uh, I learned from him. And uh, one of the best, most influential people I've ever met in my life. Fook. And so you take this technique, this talent, and you graduate from Columbia, you go to mm-hmm. a station in Iowa a behemoth of a station, 100,000 watts of pure rock, rock 108. Rock 108. Exactly. So the pro- Michael Cross talking to you here yeah, now. Yeah, so, so the yeah. program director, Michael Cross, and I've had a relationship over the years, and I sent a bunch of students there, and giving these recent alums an opportunity to be on air, you leave for Iowa. Take us back to that day you're leaving to go for going to well, here's Iowa. Wh- here's, where, here's where it gets dark, Tom. Yes. So I'm going there. They just had a flood in Waterloo, Iowa. The whole town smells like a sock. Like it just happened. It's the summer of 08. Uh, They had a pattern of Columbia college kids coming there from the radio department. 
and getting a real opportunity and some of them even being full-time two of them were there one of them was leaving and no one told me and michael didn't promise it to me but it was sort of like a handshake thing like you're gonna come in here four months we think we're gonna put you on nights so that that's the summer of 08 i was like i'm gonna have a full-time night job well, mind you not it's it's a smaller market but still i'm gonna have a full-time night job right out of college this is gonna be a great deal and um the housing market drops like a brick the the the, the housing market crash of 08 happens so right before the election for Obama, the whole market there in Waterloo, all the housing drops out. Uh, I remember there was, and then we, the economic crash happens of 08, 09. And then I get told like, that's off the table. And then they have a syndicated night show and everything I went out there thinking I was getting was going to happen. And then I'm in a meeting where I'm told, don't bring up that we should be streaming on the internet for the third time. Cause I thought we really needed to. And um, I was told the internet was a fad. I was like, this isn't the right fit. You know, I, I thought I thought it was in like a different thing. And and then I start getting really bad habits and, and not dialed in like I should be to what I'm doing beyond just what I'm there to do. I wanted to be a jock. That's all I wanted to do. You're there, but we have other things we need you to do. And I wasn't great about doing those other things. I wasn't a great employee. You know, I really wasn't. Um, I was kind of like a bratty kid again. And everything I had learned, I kind of like forgot because I thought I had something coming to me. And that's when I got canned and I deserved it. I absolutely 100% deserved it. I was too lost in my own BS. And um, uh, that that was a pretty hard, hard lesson to take. That was one I deserved. There's other ones I didn't deserve. But I mean, that's that's life. You know, when you miss a shot, you know, when you like hit a shot and it gets taken from you or something like that. Uh, this one was definitely like I deserved it. But I was also like, I think they kind of knew I was trying to get out and they were tired of um, pe people making it a jumper market. Like, I think they were really, really tired of that. And I understood that too. I think objectively, I, I think I could understand that as well. Um, but it was a fun, it was fun. I met great people out there. Uh, but I don't think they got the greatest version of me because I never lived away from home, you know, and, and here I am living away from home for the first time. So I'm having this like uh, behind the curve uh, life experience I probably already should have had at that point. Uh, I think that affected me and just all these different things that I, all the stuff I didn't control and the, I, there was things I could have controlled and I didn't control that, you know? So uh, I think that's where the mental health stuff comes into play. And then, you know, starting to have better life practices and stuff after that helps, but you know, that prepared me for the hard hits I was going to take later on. And I don't know if we're going to talk about all that. Absolutely. So it's this moment of getting up and dusting yourself off. You then go to Wisconsin to a rock station, a lot mm -hmm. of pressure, and honestly, I don't know how you did it. You drove to Kenosha each morning as a member of the morning show. For a little bit. <laughs> and, and then, <laughs> For a bit then you're did, doubling yeah. as assistant promotions director. What takeaways did you have from the from this experience? Well, that's a very weird experience to bring up. That's that's 95 Will Rock. So Will Rock is a huge rocks radio station. It's the biggest one between Milwaukee and Wisconsin. Uh, a heritage morning show in Tom Keefe, a very, very funny guy, a guy I would put in the Steve Dahl, Jonathan Brandmeier category, like a really, really underrated, very, very funny guy and a comedically driven rock radio station, which I thought I was perfect for. Before I even get to Iowa, I try out for them and it's down to me and one other guy. And I think I'm going to get this gig and it's between me and him. And I could hear him try out on air three weeks after I did. So it was kind of like an open tryout type thing. And we're replacing like a beloved figure on the show. And it's going to be the third wheel on a morning radio show. I'm 24. I'm doing some sketch and improv comedy stuff. But here I am going to come in and play like a comedic role, like straight comedic role. This is great. 
this is awesome. And they give the job to the other guy. Now they were supposed to like tell me, but the way I found out, I don't know if I've ever told you this. No. I, I don't, the way I found out, I didn't get that job. And this is before Iowa, 08, was uh, my mom and dad waking me up and saying, they're going to give the job to somebody. They're going to give the job to They emailed me on a Monday. They said, you would know by Friday. It was Friday. I didn't know yet. Uh, and they were going to talk to me about it. And it was between me and him. And they said that in an email. All right, great. So then Friday comes up. My mom wakes me up. They're going to call you. They're, they're going to call the person who has a job. I was like, like, I know how this works. This isn't like me talking to my mom. I was like, mom, we don't need to listen to this. Like, and it is on. My mom puts it on. And we hear them give the job to somebody else. God bless them. I have no problem with the other person. Worst experience. <laughs> like, there's so much of my life that's so emotionally tied to radio that, like, someone broadcasting you, it's a very intimate thing. You hear it, it goes right in your brain. There's no visuals, right? You hear it. The worst experience. That and one other one. I don't, I don't think we'll ever get to it. But it was the worst. That happens. Go to Iowa. Get dumped in Iowa. Come back from Iowa. The guy they have in Wisconsin at Will Rock, ah, you know, maybe he's going to leave here. He's only been here a year and change. You still available? Yeah. Go in. Three months. They figure out, all right, we can cut you because we don't know if we want a third wheel on the morning show or we want a full-time promotions person. And it's this butting of heads with people that don't involve me. And then I have people like taking stuff out of my van when I'm trying to go do promotional events and all these different things. I get a pay to own, rent to own condo. I'm in it for three weeks. I don't even have it furnished yet. And I put all my money into this because I'm like, I'm 24. I got this job. It's preliminary. All right, 30 days. Great, whatever. 30 days, 90 days, preliminary contract, sign that. And then like a month in, I'm like, I got this place. I've been driving back and forth an hour and a half. <laughs> it's brutal, right? Uh, and um, I'll get this condo and I'll own it in two years. I'll own a condo in two years. I'm like 24. This is great. And if I want to go to New York, LA, by the time I'm 30, I have a five-year run at the radio station. So I was like 24. I thought I had like a five-year plan right there. They just dumped me. Dumped me. I think they dumped me like right before they did it right as the, the, the 90 days came up. So everything I put in the condo was gone. So anything money I had was gone. Uh, and then I had to go back home. I think maybe it was maybe the second time I had to go back home within a year and a half. Uh, set, and that was still the the housing market crisis is still going on. It's not even the end of '08. I think I walked, got my diploma in the spring of <laughs> like spring of '08. I finished at the end of '07. So here I'm losing two radio gigs. One of my one of them I didn't deserve to do. One of them I did, and I was just like, whoa, this one wasn't my fault. You know, this really this one really wasn't my fault. Um, and then, uh, and I even tried out for them again this past year, but it, it was something where I was like, all right, you know, it was the same, same time, great people. All right. But it's not the right fit. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that, that, that sucked. Like, <laughs> like I, don't, I don't know, I don't know another way to put it. That, that was, that was, that was pretty bad. Um, but if, I mean, Tom Key's a really funny, funny guy, great radio station, John Perry, good people. But I mean, all right, you have a different decision. It's just the weight of it is so big when you're going through it at the same time. I'm over it. It isn't something that bothers me the same way. But when I bring it up, I'm like, I know there are people that have been through that in radio. It's you get so dedicated to it. So when it crushes you, it crushes you. You know. So you land back on your feet doing traffic reports and producing at Clear Channel Radio. Also at Dorothy this time, Humphrey. Yes. Dorothy Humphrey. Love Dorothy. So also at this time, you start another endeavor writing about wrestling how did this position come about so when i'm at st zab's we were kind of like we'd all been doing college radio there enough of us wrestling fans we already talked about it the advent of podcasting is there it's still a very very new thing this is 05 
Um, you can't even get it like delivered to the phone, but you can get like an RSS feed. So we knew that was like, there's something there. So we started doing the show and we were near Ring of Honor, which is now um, owned by All Elite Wrestling, one of the biggest companies in the world, has all these very influential wrestlers that went on to do WWE, all these big things. But they were like an underground company drawing like 1,500, 2,000 people, still really good crowds. They ran Frontier Fieldhouse, which was two miles away from St. Xavier University. So we went to them and said, give us guys to interview and give us free tickets. We're college kids, right? You want college kids to come. And they were like, yeah. And we figured out someone's email and we got a hold of somebody. And then we just got this funnel of independent run in front of 200, 300 uh, people, wrestlers, independent wrestlers, who now are all in arenas and running stadiums and all these different things. And we got to interview them. And it was great. And it was like the coolest, like we were kind of like burned out on doing music radio, even though we were like, we were those really, really hungry kids, you know? And those were the only radio people I wanted to be around. I didn't want to be around hobbyists. I want to be around people that want to like really make it happen. So we had like a podcast that was getting like in the early days of podcasts. I mean, no one really had it's getting 40, 50,000 downloads in a month. We're like, and then the, the college is noticing it. And they're like, you guys want to do it? Like, this is a show. I was like, yes, we want to do this as a show, like on the air. If we do it on the air, it'll be bigger. And we'll still podcast and, get, and it worked. And I remember we did it the week uh, that WrestleMania ran in Chicago. It wasn't just WWE, like all the promotions coming around the same market. And it was like four days of the coolest stuff. And we got to interview people and just fans from all over. And, and then that evolved into uh, writing about wrestling and be involved with it here and there on the side through radio and other stuff. Um, and so I, I got a gig with WrestleZone, which was a pretty prominent website through Nick Houseman, who's another uh, comedy guy I knew in Chicago from WrestleZone. Uh, I leave them in the pandemic, which is weird. Uh, and the circumstances are weird. It felt budgety type things. Uh, but I was doing podcasting with them and it was good. We were moving along and it was just getting going and I was making some money, but it wasn't my full-time job. And then Sportskeeda calls I me. Mean, Sportskeeda is a very significant company in India. And I was surprised, but it was just like, hey, can you come in and work some stuff for us temporarily? We know you're not with WrestleZone. So this is weird because this is the first time where someone like kind of like came and talked to me and said like, you know, we, that's so different. Like so many of us are like chasing opportunities and there's still stuff I'm like chasing or been turned down for or whatever. This was odd. This was like, hey, we know you were friendly with you. I was like, oh, that's nice. You know, I was like, oh, it's talking shop. And then it was like, no, we're talking to you about a job. Like I thought it was just like they were talking to me like catching up about wrestling like we were friends or something so i was like oh this is serious and they're like yeah so they came in and it was i've been with them now just about a year and it's uh one, it's one of the best media jobs i've ever had like it, it's it's odd to say it. there's challenges with it they're based in india it's a nine hour time difference but like i have a i have resources of 15 to 20 people to help me back up on things um there's uh, resources they've given me like tech wise that are really really helpful that i've tech like things with microphones and stuff that i use for my radio work uh there's stuff i do in radio that i've been able to benefit them and there was just a lot of it I was like the pandemic's supposed to be really hard and here i am doing rock radio and watching wrestling in my apartment and i'm just thinking like myself like when you were 15 is probably what you wanted to do so any day i get mad about it i just be like that kid who was you know riding the bus on pulaski to go to st xavier university he wanted to get paid to do this is getting paid to do this um i i, I I don't know if I could start a family at this point in my life, but 
Uh, I get a little bit. Well, my career is my child. You've heard that from the great as before, right? My <laughs> a, career a, a, is my as child. As they say, what a, definitely. What a selfish, what a selfish, neurotic thing I hear people <laughs> say all the time. Um, well, we've got about yeah. ten minutes to go here, and I want to make sure that we go over these two stories. Really key. I'm going to abbreviate them. 2012, okay. you get a call from the now rebranded WKQX 101.1 FM. You come yeah. aboard as a promotions assistant. It's not mm-hmm. what you really want to do. But, you no. know, because sometimes they go promotions. You, you land in the promotions department. You're it, probably it was never going to get on there. Yeah, but they, was, yeah. I, I, was doing, I was doing stand-up in Chicago. I wanted to keep my foot in radio. I, I felt like my honor days were done because uh, I lost the I heart. I got laid off, that type of thing. Uh, and I kind of thought, like, yeah, I'm kind of done here, like honor-wise, even though I, was, I wasn't even like – I was barely 30 at that point. It was a stupid idea, you know. Um, but I said, oh, I'll keep doing this. And then I'm trying to do a stand-up show for – that I had booked. I was trying to do an event at the same time. They're like, no, you can't do that. And I get canned and I, and I hated it because they knew I was really passionate about it. But it's something like, we got to, we got to do it. If we don't do this with you, it's, you know, it's, it's a line. I crossed the line. I didn't, I wasn't the best team player. And the times I was a team player, they had me doing awesome stuff. And I thought, oh, I'm going to get an opportunity on air somehow with them from this promotions gig. And then that happens. But you do. 20, 2014, after, this is six after, months later. Yeah, after getting this let go. Six, this makes no sense. You're brought back by no the sense, program Tom. director to be yeah. on air, and you have to now work with ultimately a promotions department that you got let go from because <laughs> you're the on-air talent, and they're working yes. you now. Okay, I can. I hope she doesn't get mad if I quote her. So Janine Moose is, is one of the best promotions people in all of radio, all of radio, not just KQX, but all of radio. And she's weathered this brand through so many different things and ownerships and all these different things. Millions of dollars have been tied there for success. So I've seen her work with big, massive brands and then also protecting our brand and the integrity of it and all these different things. So I, w- I was appreciate her. So getting let go, I really, I remember when that happened, that conversation, I got to make her laugh. She's like, why are you making me laugh? I was like, because you were nice to me and this is the nicest thing I, I know I can do for people is somehow make them laugh. I give nothing else to the world. It's you can, I'll be the clown. And I remember her thinking that and then her having conversations with me when I came there. It's like, I know you're an on-air person, but you're not here to be on air. But they had me doing like VOs and sometimes characters. And can you go and get man on the street videos? It was like the most on-air things I could do as a promotions person. I remember they had me at host events. And I was like, I was a promotions person. I was like, that isn't what you're supposed to have the DJ do it. But I knew what it, I knew where it was going and I thought it was going to happen. And then it blew up on my face because I, I messed it up, right? So here I am six months later, and I get the gig, and, and Lauren O'Neill, big sister Lauren O'Neill in radio, one of the best, uh, easily one of the best rock jocks I've ever met. Uh, she goes, oh, they're, they're going to hire people. You know, we've never had a weekend. We haven't had a weekend person on WKQX for nine years. Nine years, they had no weekend people. So finally, they have weekend people. This is the role you're supposed to do. But I was like, I'm not getting on your back. You guys let, I got I got let go in November. This is like April. Like this, this is this, this isn't like a year. This is like less than a year. It's like a, less than a quarter of a business later. So I still put the I put the air check together at St. Xavier University. I went back there and put the air check together in the same studio. I started with the, I was like, this is weird, but whatever. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna go full force with it. Sat in a room for two days, two days, and just cut this thing. Listen to the station. And I would cut the same breaks. And uh, Lauren listened to it before I sent it in, which was a good thank you, Lauren. Uh, and, I, and I sent it to him. And Walt Flackus, who's great now, he's on Rock 95.5. Um, one of the best music people, too. Uh, successful guy in his own regard. He listens to it and says, this guy's really funny and everything like that. And he's like, he gets it and he knows where his station is. And he goes to PJ Kling. He's all right, we'll give him an interview. 
Walt didn't connect that I was a promotions assistant for them at that point for like two and a half years earlier. He had no idea. There was no, he just didn't see it in there. He just listened to the tape. He didn't look at the resumes. He just listened to the tape. He's like, I just want to listen to it. I remember him telling me, that. I was like, really? You didn't know? He's like, I don't know if that would have affected us choosing you. So then I come in for the interview and Lauren sees me there and I'm in my suit, you know, and I'm just like, hey, and I walk Merchandise Mart, you, the old Merchandise Mart, we had the studio, you could walk by it and you could see the studio. And I walked by and it clinked on the glass and she's like, oh, okay. Like she knew I was coming in for an interview, but she didn't know what day it was and I didn't want to bother. But I remember being like, this is really cool. Don't do this and don't do this. And then she like ran down the hall to her show and then I went and talked to them and they're like, no, 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 no. And a month and a half goes by and I'm, I remember I was working at Starbucks and I wasn't good at it. I was really, really bad at Starbucks. Can't make the drinks, right? ADD. Can't, I, can't make, I can't make a Starbucks drink, but I could hit a post and sell uh, smashing pumpkins tickets or something, right? So uh, the day I quit Starbucks, because I knew they weren't going to keep me and I was still a tour guy. I was like, I quit the Starbucks job. I'm not good. At it. I don't want to get let go and something. It's so depressing, you know? Uh, and so the day I do that, I get the email that says, I think it was like, against the better judgment of some other people. And it was like in quotes, it was like a joke. They were joking with me about it. We're going to offer you this role. I remember it was offer role and I just lost it. I just lost it. I was screaming for like five minutes. I remember where I was, it was of Belmont and Pulaski and you could go on, on our patio, even we're in this weird working class neighborhood, Avondale. And uh, there was a McDonald's with a drive-through right outside. I remember just being out there like, you could see the whole sky, and you could see Soldier, you could see Sears Tower, and there was this parking lot in the drive-through, and I was just yelling, and people stopped and looked out their car, and I and I just realized this is really weird, and I just had to, t- I just couldn't contain it, I just couldn't. It was the most validating thing that has ever happened to me. Like, like, all right, that's 15 years, it's done. It's A, C, and B, C. It's A, Q, no, it's B, Q, and A, Q. It's before kqx and then after kqx and it was such a validating moment it was so good to tell my parents about it because they're like oh this is serious like you're not just like playing in the background you're you're on air like you were in it and i had a, a wonderful six-year run there i got to do some incredible things got to be really get that brand going again and troy henson troy henson did some phenomenal stuff in terms of like concerts that i got to do brandon king's one like put me as a as a personality took me as a weekend person said like, all right, we're going to do real events with you in a different way that people weren't doing with kind of like secondary on air talent. Like I was, I got to do every day part as a, as a part-time person, which is rare. I got to do bits on the morning show. And I was a part-time person. I got to do a lot of things that not, that weren't just bound by, all right, you're on air Saturday, 10 AM to three uh, and incredible digital success. I was so proud of the run there. And then also not just like, Oh, these are good people. These are really good friends. Those are like some of my best friends I've ever worked with. It was so much more gratifying when we would win. It would so it would be so much more hurtful when we lost. Uh, and um, and then the pandemic happens, and you know, you know, there's there's a lamb on the spreadsheet. You know. Well, there's three things I want to bring up before we go. And the the first thing is, no one has been more prepared for a position at 101 in alternative rock radio than you, my friend, because I remember you sitting in my office and playing your WXAV demo tapes to me. And I said, if this guy doesn't get on the radio station at 101 sometime in the next few years, something is wrong. So that's first. Second, I want to- Only took 10 years after it, right? That's okay. (laughs) The second thing I want to point out, and this is so important, I have never met another person in the industry who did more for interns, whatever school they went to, every single 
student I've talked to, whether they were Columbia or not, they knew who Kevin was. And not only were you doing everyday part, you were doing weekends, you were helping out with promotions, you gave your soul to that station. And then, of course, in January 2021, in the middle of this pandemic, the station announces those budget cuts. You get released. You have to be saying to yourself, and I'm not here. We go one. again. You know, it, it isn't woe is me. It was the whole sure. industry at the time. So, and it was. Uh, I will say the way it was done was was so classy and um, caring. Like there was a sense of care to it. It wasn't like it was absolutely. This is not the way we want to go. Uh, and I always appreciate. It. And they've all they've also taken care of me in ways after I haven't been there that I I won't forget and I always appreciate. And I don't have to go into that stuff, but. No, it was rough. It was it was really rough. And I knew it was coming. It was something where I got I got the courtesy of knowing and being able to plan around it. Um, not knowing the exact time, you know, but knew it was was on on the uh, horizon. And uh, I was appreciate because there's a bad way to do that. Uh, and there's a, there's a good way to do it. I've been through both. You know, you could hear yourself not getting a job on the radio uh, and you could put six years in and all right, you know, we, we got we to come and have this chat with you. Uh, and I knew it wasn't anything I did, you know, in the other jobs I lost and those things I explained, like, um, I, I could, I, I, this was like, no, this wasn't my fault. And there was something redeeming in that, you know, like I didn't, I didn't mess up. This is just the system and the way things are and things I can't control. And, you know, pandemic starts, I was bored up in the station. We didn't, have, we had to figure out how to keep it going. So we had, I had, they're like, you ready to do this? I was like, yeah, you know, I'm ready to do this. I'm the, I'm the guy who sleeps at this radio station the most anyway. I know where the good couches are. And uh, so that was good. I remember, I remember uh, doing a Zoom just like this, and, and I had, you know, had to talk to everybody. And it was another thing where I was like, all right. It was the same thing with Janine, where she's having this difficult conversation where you have to tell me this life-changing news. It's bad and negative. Uh, and the whole time I'm thinking, like, I'm going to get out of this call, and it's going to be very sad, and I'll go in the other room, and I'll cry. But I, I thought to myself, like, I got to get a joke in. I got to get a joke in. I got to get a joke in that they're going to repeat when this call is done and they tell their people about it. Cause I know I got to get a joke. <laughs> like, like there's this part of me as like, I'm not even thinking of myself or anything. Like I'm thinking like, ah, okay. Uh, and, and they're like, do you have any questions? You know, this is my Troy Hansen voice. And so, you know, um, you have any questions? And I, and I go, yeah, Troy. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of t-shirts I got from you guys. Do I have to give those back? How many of the t- <laughs> Can I keep some? Can I keep some of the t-shirts empty? I was like, because I really, and I started, I just grabbed one of the shirts. I was like, I really like this one. Am I allowed to keep this one? And and um, and I was really, really sweet. And like, I got him to crack. He's like, what are you doing? And I was, I was doing it for like 20 seconds before they knew it was a bit. Um, I know I always appreciate that, you know, that they understood what it was. And, and also it's alternative radio. You get to be smart asses. I don't know if you get to do that as much anywhere else. Well, as we wrap up here, par for the course, you bounce back. You get hired in Rockford. You're doing Sportskedia. Mm-hmm. You're doing stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. Got a bunch of tour dates coming up. I got to ask you, where does this confidence come from to be able to see your dreams so clearly in some cases and then also see them cloud over, but then create outlets that give your creativity more room to be recognized? You say this to me while I'm sitting in a chair, a wrestling chair that I got going to a show for free next to uh, a closet full of promotional T-shirts and a pile of laundry next to me. And I'm in my late 30s and I feel like I'm still living, like I'm 23, 24. And you bring up all those things and it's, like I was saying a little while ago, my mom said, all you ever want to do is just things you think are fun. And and that's why I went to Columbia. I, there was no other college I ever applied to, Tom. 
I didn't even visit another school. It was just, this is what I'm going to do. Like I always knew who I was. And, um, wow, this is hard because I'm talking to you. Um, like having those moments of, uh, validation and going through all that and uh being able to check in with you was like talking to an older brother and um it was all worth it it was all worth it and and hopefully the the stuff with kqx is all worth it and there's another kqx you know there's another thing you can do and you're not defined by the old rocky world you're not defined by how hard you can hit it's how hard you can take them you know, and I can hit pretty hard in some situations and people remember that. Um, but I would hope that me being able to take that blow and other ones that we didn't even get to talk about, uh, those mean more to me. Those are the things that are definitive to me. Those are, those are the etchings on the tombstone I'll know, you know, and then hopefully everything else is just me trying to make someone smile or laugh at me along the way. Well, Kevin. It was an honor having you on on the uh, Undaunted Creative. Kevin Kellum. Tom, thank you so much. Thank you. I, pre- I appreciate it. I appreciate it. it. I know you got a roll. If you need anything, you let me know. You, you got it. Thanks so much, Kevin. I love you. All right. All right. Love you too, buddy. Take, Take care, care, man. Okay. Bye-bye. Have a good one. Bye.